Welcome. Welcome to the AV Forums Podcast Extra. Hi, this is Steve Withers. Welcome to the Podcast Extra for June. Last month, we were lucky enough to be invited to the launch of LG's new OLED TV in Monaco. At the event, and presenting the 3D technology, was French filmmaker Jean-Jacques Anode, who was kind enough to chat with me about the new OLED TV and 3D cinema. Here is that interview. The AV Forum's Podcast Extra. While walking about, we bumped into Jean-Jacques Anode, who, of course, is the director of um, Quest for Fire and The Name of the Rose and Enemy at the Gates. So, Jean-Jacques... Um, obviously, we'll talk about the reason that we're all here today, which is LG's OLED screen. What are your impressions of the OLED screen that you see? Well, you know, I, I, I have been fascinated with 3D uh, 15 years ago when there was no theatre equipped in, with 3D. I started with IMAX, uh, with a movie called uh, Wings of Courage. And uh, I, I feel very, very, should I say, intimate with the 3D technology. And I was very, very interested to see uh, that new screen. Uh, I must say I'm very charmed uh, by it because it's very, very high resolution. Uh, this technology of uh, four under pixel, uh, by pixel, yeah. uh, gives an impressive result. And uh, also what's very interesting, I think, is um, I'm, I'm used to, uh, to, to active uh, glasses and here they have the passive system the big advantage it uh, you can look at a 3d movie uh, at home with more than two people because you know the others uh, you have to be in front uh, it's, it's very good results but uh, here uh, you have a large space that has a very high definition very bright uh, light and I think it's quite enjoyable to be able to be like six or seven in front of a television screen and enjoy your 3D show. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because LG have of course been a bit of a pioneer in terms of using passive 3D whereas the other manufacturers have predominantly used active shutter glasses right. um, and you yourself do you use active shutter at home? Well, you know, uh, I had to have this equipment I started uh, buying this equipment like a year ago uh, I must say I was really very impressed. The, this equipment uh, is quite uh, stunning because I, I like the fact it's so light. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's large. It's incredibly sharp. And what I was saying is is that you know uh, m- most of the time I'm checking films. I'm alone, so uh, active lenses, uh, uh, glasses are fine. Here, I think that it changes uh, the way you can use 3D. The, the fact to, you know, most people like to see uh, films together. And if you're restricted by the, the glasses, if only two people or three can yeah. see it properly, and on the sides it's not comfortable, uh, you will not like 3D. Here, I think it's, uh, it's a step forward, frankly. When you, uh, when you were shooting in 3D 15 years ago, could you have imagined a time no. when you could sit at home and watch a 1080p 3D Blu-ray on a TV on, or on a projector even in your own home? Well, you know, I, in those days, we could not even see a movie in a movie theater in 3D. The, the, the dilemma we had, I'm saying we because there was the president of uh, Columbia TriStar, uh, was Peter Guber, and he was the one who called me and said, listen, go to Vancouver tomorrow. I have seen one minute 
of a 3D IMAX test. It's phenomenal. The next day I was at IMAX, looked at that, and I was writing a screenplay about a French uh, pilot in the 30s that crashed in the Andes, and I immediately saw that that format was great for that project. But the, the problem we had at Columbia is there was no theater for 3D, and there was no theater because there was no film in 3D. So it was the chicken and the egg. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, when I was looking at those television sets uh, today, I was saying, 15 years ago, I was the guy who was seeing the journalist to explain that 3D had a future. And people would look at me like, no, it's a technological curiosity. I'd say, yes, it is. Cinema also was a technological curiosity when it, yeah. when it was invented. And also the talkies were a, a, a surprise and a technological surprise in those days. And color, 3D is the same thing. It's one step further. I, I just can't believe, you know, there was, I think, like five television uh, monitors in 3D in those days. It was made for architects. Uh, it was excellent though, but they cost like a million dollars or two million dollars. <laughs> I mean, just amazing. And now today people can have that at home. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm thinking, and I'm very pleased because, uh, of course, you know, uh, my pleasure is to make movies uh, uh, and not necessarily in 3D, but thinking that in those days I was the only one. And I started this with a lot of people thinking I was just crazy. But what I liked, I remember when we did the first screening, they built a cinema in uh, New York uh, at Columbus. It's the big Sony theater. Yes. And up, uh, upstairs there is this big IMAX. And uh, it was brand new technology. And I remember reading in the New York Times, they were saying maybe after seeing this movie, people will never see 2D movies again. Well, so a bit too, too, too much, but I'm, I'm very happy that this passion that I had spread through other filmmakers. You know, Cameron then did this documentary about... Uh, the, the Abyss. No, he did uh, the Titanic. Yeah, good. The underwater. Yeah, Ghost of the Abyss was the one about Titanic. Was it called? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't remember the title. And after that, there was a 3D uh, fiction that was done for Disney, Disney World, I think. Uh, slowly and slowly and slowly, more and more. You know, we started, they started building the theaters to, to see my movie. Yeah. We, the, we, I remember in one year, the IMAX built uh, 100 theaters. And people discovered that fiction was feasible in 3D. When, when I'm today here, and I had to, I remember that that first meeting I had in Toronto, where I saw the managing group at IMAX, and I said, I want to use your camera, your new 3D camera, to make a fiction film. They said, sir, it's impossible. Was this camera... Um, the Solido, it was called. Was it actually using IMAX film? Yeah, yeah. So two, Horizontal, two, two of them, as each photogram was 15 perf in 70 mil. So it's yeah, been pretty big cameras. We, for people to carry, to, <laughs> to lift it. I mean, just a monster. It, it was like a car, you know, shooting with, with, with a little mobile. Just incredible. Uh, so it was, of course, technologically very challenging, but 
What was also phenomenal for me was to use the high definition of IMAX. And, and today, to see that on a television, to, to, have to, to, to have to get close to see the pixels, but one, one meter away, three, four, five foot, feet away, you, you, you see only sharpness. But, but you know, this is the, the, in 15 years, it changed so much. I mean, obviously you were shooting with real 3D cameras and you're a, you know, a pioneer and a great believer in real 3D. What's your view on 2D to 3D conversions? You know, I, I won't go into the details, but so many producers come to me and say, uh, yeah, you know, we have a great project, uh, we should shoot it in 2D and then uh, make it 3D later on. So, no, I'm not <laughs> interested. Uh, if you, you have not only to shoot with a t t t 3D camera, but you have the whole conception of the movie has to be for 3D. It's, it's madness to, to think that you, you can have the same movie in 3D or in 2D wrong. It's, it, you have to, to think that when you are inside a 3D movie, it's not like the same thing like being seated in front of a screen, far away, where you have a, clo a close-up. A close-up is what? It's a, an enormous guy on a faraway screen. In 3D, there's no close-up. It's a man that comes close to you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a grammar that is different. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And it seems to me that um, even the films that are being shot with 3D cameras, a lot of them, they almost seem afraid to use negative parallax. They're almost, they don't want to be accused of being gimmicky. And rather than, when I watched uh, Hugo, Martin Scorsese's right, right, film, right, right. he really understood to use that added depth as a of part of the storytelling, as part of the narrative in a way. Yeah, but you know, that's the point is a lot of, uh, I, I wouldn't say producer or director, I would say entrepreneurs or people who think that it's enough to do something in 3D and you would attract people as if technology was enough. Well, you know, people are curious to see technology like twice or three times. After that, they understand that if you throw something at them, they go this way. <laughs> but uh, once they've done that five times, it's enough, you yeah. know, <laughs> they want a good story. But the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, in 3D, it is as if you are swimming with a fish. You're not looking at a fish tank in the distance, inside a frame, you are with a fish. But the problem is the fish are coming to you. So now look at my eyes, you know, they go, there is a convergence. Yeah. So if you don't deal with the convergence properly, people get a headache. And if after bringing an object here, then uh, the next object is over there. Then the, the, the audience goes, oh, here. Then they have to diverge again and focus in the distance. Another headache. When you do that with the rhythm of a 2D movie, with, should I say, TV style, because television implied to have a wide shot to understand the situation and then close-ups, because television were too small to uh, uh, be nice with the old style where everything got this way was enough, you could pick your own close-up. Now, you mean cutting very quickly? If you cut very quickly in 3D, headache. Therefore, what is it you want to do? You want to do a 3D movie or a 2D movie? 2D, 3D compat compatible? It's silly. It's like you say, I'm doing a silent movie that also compatible with sound. That's a great analogy. I like that 3D. <laughs> Listen, it's about the same. So if you need, if you build a movie for dialogue, 
Well, you have to use dialogue. Don't don't expect that you look at the movie and understand with no dialogue. Or you want a silent movie? Do it. But th then you see, this is what makes uh, people confused about 3D. Uh, th that that only fact to think that 3D is only good for sensational white shots. Wrong. White shots are not good in 3D. Because you don't see 3D. A, a landscape in 3D yeah. is only 3D if you have a rock or a flower in, uh, in close-up. Then, then you see the distance. If not, it, you, you, you shoot in, in 2D, it's fine. So, so you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding. And again, this um, greed to believe that, okay, let's do it in 3D. As a 3D movie means big show. Wrong wrong it, it has to be the right story and it has to be understood why is it going to be better in 3d it, it, it's like in the old days in color <laughs> fine yeah <laughs> in color okay and in those days you know they had to shoot in blue skies if the skies were not blue people would say hey there's no color in this movie <laughs> it's a gray sky <laughs> i want my money back so here i think you know it, it has to quiet down and, and people will enjoy uh, 3D when it's going to be uh, 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 clearly understood. You never should think that uh, a new technology will last only because it's, a new, it's new. You can say new for a month, three, maybe, maybe one year. But it's like a new wave, you know, French new wave, <laughs> French new wave, 50 years, new wave. <laughs> still new, new it's still new wave. So here, 3D, okay. Uh, but I think, you know, it will mature uh, very much like now. Nobody thinks of saying, it's a talkie. Well, apart from the artist, of course. <laughs> silent film, back to silent film. Yeah, but using the music in a very intelligent way. <laughs> um, you, obviously, you talk about when you were shooting the, your first IMAX film with a camera so big it took four people to carry it. Now, of course, we're using things like your jewel rig, red cameras, at 5K resolution. Now, Peter Jackson's shooting The Hobbit at 48 frames a second. What's your opinion on that? Well, you know, uh, I, I, there was a, uh, a thing called uh, Showscan. Uh, which was 70 mil at 48 frames per second. There is also an IMAX in uh, 70 mil horizontal, 15 perfs, uh, at 58 frames per second. What you do is you double the resolution. It's sharper. But um, I know Peter Jackson is not in f so much in favor. Is it him or is uh, no? It's Chris Nolan, who still wants to shoot in um, 35. He's shooting combination of 35 and IMAX cameras, it, it isn't he? It works, you know. Uh, I'm going to uh, to see the new IMAX camera. They, they, they've developed one that is got, going to be ready in a few weeks, and I'm going to uh, uh, shoot with it uh, a little test. I'll see. Uh, what, what frame rate will that be at? 24. Uh, I, I don't know yet because you know uh, th there is so much resolution today that the difference is minimal. Uh, it, it will be better in a huge screen, providing that the, the theater is as really a wonderful screen, a wonderful projector with a new bulb. Because one of the problem is uh, very often the screens are not that clean. Yeah. Uh, if you're on the side, uh, you won't see the difference. So, you know, it, those things. I, I, I once again, I love technology. I loved shooting in IMAX. Uh, 
But if you do a, a movie that's going to be shown in most theater in the world, you may go through a lot of aggravation without a substantial uh, better result. Uh, I, I can already see that between a, 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 four, a 2K camera and a 4K cameras, only very few professionals can see the difference. It may, may sound astounding, but, but you know, this is a reality. Uh, so, um, but uh, what it may, uh, what you may get better is the color definition and maybe also some depth in the, in the dark spots and, some, uh, and, and a better rendering of the uh, highlights. Um, it's, it's moving so fast that this is now a year and a half that I haven't used the new, uh, the new cameras. It goes so fast that I don't want to decide which camera I'm going to use today if I'm shooting only in January. Because <laughs> you're going to be obsolete. You, you, you remember some years ago, uh, computers, they, they were already obsolete four months later. People would say, oh, you've got a dinosaur. I bought it four months ago. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. So yeah. uh, cameras, is, uh, it's such a huge, huge uh, transformation. And, you know, you still have people who are shooting in 35. But I don't know in which lab they're going to, uh, to, to even print. I, I, I know in, in, in France we will not have uh, 35 uh, millimeter theaters in uh, one, one, one year from now. Everything is going to be digital. So, you know, if you shoot 35, it's like, uh, you know, people doing photography with a piece of glass and one of those machines. With <laughs> I guess the question I was thinking was, for 100 years they've been making films, shooting films at 24 frames per second, and that's got that film look to it. No, wrong. Oh, okay. 24 uh, was invented for sound. Before it was 16 frames. Yeah. Uh, okay. so, since, so, since the jazz singer, yeah. it's 24 frames a second, but 48 frames a second, or 50 frames per second, or 60 frames per second, that uh, higher, um, refresh, uh, higher um, frame rate might make it look more like video, to, I mean, a much smoother, less film-like image to it? No, well, you know, if it, it depends if you shoot 48 and then show it in theaters at 24. Then you, you, you got the same, uh, I miss the word in English, uh, sentiment. No, uh, no, 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 it's the flickering effect, sorry. Right. Uh, so if you go for a screening with a 48 frame projector, then you will have less flickering. Therefore, there's more comfort. You, 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 Are you talking about in, in 3D or just generally? Just in general. Uh, the, the, the more frames you have per second, the smoother it is and, and less strobe you have. But that, I'm becoming very technical here. Uh, <laughs> Be technical as you like. Yeah, yeah because you know, when, for instance, when you pan, uh, when, there is such a jump between one frame and another that it flickers. If you shoot 60 frames per second or 48, uh, you, 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 the pan would be much softer. But you have to screen it this way, not only shoot it, or you have to double print in order to have uh, a, a sort of uh, double image in order to reduce the flickering effect. Uh, so uh, it all depends, it's like a chain of things. If you, once again, if you shoot 
48 and screen 24, you lose most of the interest of it. You know, you you have a better resolution because instead of having a certain number of pixels per second, well, you have double number of, of of pixels, so you can screen on a much larger screen. Mm -hmm. uh, it you know it depends on how they want to uh, play the movie and where. And, uh, so I, I don't know what are the plans here. Are you working on any more 3D features? Uh, I may shoot the next one in uh, 3D. A, na a narrative or...? or oh, narrative, of course, yes, yes. I, I don't do anything else. <laughs> no, I never do that in documentaries. Uh, yes, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm shooting in Mongolia, most probably. And, uh, uh, but you see, I have, I'm at, 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 at a point now where most of the movies, the first question when the producer says, do you want to, uh, you, you've got the experience 3D, let's shoot it in 3D. I'm saying, be careful, it's a different style. Uh, we, in my view, if you do a 3D movie good in for 3D, you have to recut the movie for 2D. It is that dr drastic. Uh, because, once again, uh, if you have cuts that are too short in 3D, you will confuse your audience and they will do what a lot of people do after 40 minutes, they drop their glasses. They don't know why, but for some reason the body is fed up. And uh, so uh, it's very, it, it, it's a moment where it's dangerous. Uh, the fake 3D uh, that you, you get in uh, post-production is very dangerous. It works sometimes, you know. Sometimes it, it, it's surprisingly good. But to believe that you're going to reinvent 3D aspect uh, in post-production is ludicrous. Well, uh, Jean-Jacques, thank you very much. That's been thank absolutely you. fascinating. Well, listen, great, great pleasure. I'm, I'm, uh, it's exciting for me to, you know, to, to talk about this because so many people have misconception about 3D. So, yeah, thank you for the question. Thank you very much. Thank you. The highest definition. 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 This is the AV Forums podcast. Extra. Don't forget, the Movies podcast is on the 7th of July, Games on the 14th, the Home Cinema podcast is on the 21st, and we'll be back with another podcast extra on the 28th of July. You can follow us on Twitter at, at AV Forums or at Phil Hinton or at Stephen Withers, that's Stephen with a PH, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash AV Forums. We've also launched the Picture Perfect campaign for TV setup, and you can find all details of this at www.mypictureperfect.tv. This is Steve Withers saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon for more AE Forums podcasts. The AV Forums podcast extra was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and used for promotional use only. The AV Forums Podcast Extra is copyright M2N Limited.